This podcast contains language and concepts which may not be suitable for young listeners. The following audio record forms part of the department's ongoing investigation into the actions of Eugene Kirkley, a.k.a. Gideon Vermello, and his operations in the town of Alara. Testimonies recorded here are confidential and have not yet been officially corroborated by secondary or tertiary sources. Um, power on. Mac power up. Go, go, gadget laptop. Oh, fuck. It's on. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm a genius. She said, lying on the floor, gaffer taped to a chair. Yeah. I tried to get a little Liam Neeson and ended up just falling over. Which I imagine is what happens to most ordinary humans when they're trying to act like Liam Neeson. If you can call what he does acting. Want to hear something funny? A few months ago, a friend of mine shared this YouTube video called How to Escape from Gaffer Tape Restraints. She wrote hysterically in all caps, Super important, please read, might save your life one day. And I thought to myself, who the fuck is ever going to need to escape from gaffer tape restraints? So I didn't watch the video and then wasted 40 minutes scrolling through pictures of people's breakfasts and babies. God fucking damn it. Maybe I can try and chew my way. Oh, God. That tastes like sticky underpants of a Korean sex doll. Oh, so I should probably, you know, narrate what's going on here. I'm in our studio, Seventh Cycle. I guess Riv brought me here because it's soundproof. Although he says it's because it's a safe, familiar place where I'll feel comfortable. Want to hear a funny story? Our producer, Andy, made this whole song and dance about how he loved using voice command on his computer because he could operate them while he fiddled with the guitar pedals or tweaked amp settings or whatever. We made so much fun of him because it never worked. He'd be like, start recording, and it'd toggle screen settings or something. Once he said, play sample, and it brought up this video of some extremely graphic porno that I only glimpsed, but I'm pretty sure it involves someone wearing a dinosaur costume. (laughs) Fuck, that was funny. So I was able to turn this piece of shit on by yelling at it, much like my ex-boyfriend. Ha! Huh. But for some reason, it's not hooked up to the internet. And Lord only knows my tech skills aren't amazing at the best of times, let alone when I'm face down on the floor with my hands gaffer taped. So instead of making an emergency Skype call or something, I'm currently recording a very engaging video of the studio wall while I narrate this little monologue off camera. It's like a fucking French art film. Uh, the physical absence of the female narrator, this is a metaphor for the neo-capitalist patriarchy. <laughs> oh, I wish someone else was here to appreciate my comedic genius. Also to untie me. If you're watching this, whoever you are, you're probably wondering why I'm not more scared right now. I guess... Well, you'd have to know Ronald. Sorry, River, like I do. I know that he's... Well, let's not beat around the bush. He's fucking kidnapped me, hasn't he? But he's not going to kill me. That's not how this song ends. He cares about me in his own weird delusional way. That said, I'm worried he'll tell Gideon. And Gideon is something else altogether. You know how film villains tend to be either bloodlusty, 
furious psychopaths or cool, calm, gentlemanly types who shoot their victims and then nonchalantly flick the blood off their lapels. That's not Gideon. I mean, he's the worst kind of evil because he doesn't think he's anything but purest good. There's nothing on this earth as dangerous as a man who believes in his own infallible righteousness. When we went on our first world tour, and I was starting to have my doubts about Lara, our tour manager played me this recording of the end of Jonestown. It's called the Jonestown Death Tapes. Jim Jones knows it's all going to end. They've just shot a congressman, so the FBI is about to swoop in and fuck shit up because what the hell else is going to happen after you kill a senator? He gathers everyone together and he tells them, well, we tried our best, but it's time to call it in. Let's all drink the poison Kool-Aid and saunter off into that good night. They all have this calm, sincere discussion and he isn't angry or commanding. He's pleading, imploring resigned. But he's still convinced a few hundred people to kill themselves and their young children. Monsters don't always roar. Sometimes all they need to do is whisper. Jim Jones was able to persuade a horde of people to do anything he wanted, even kill themselves because he preyed on people who'd been kicked around, victimised by the system. Most of the Jonestown devotees were black folks who'd been beaten, spat on, discarded by the shitty society that they lived in. And along comes this white guy who treats them not only with respect, but with what he calls love. And of course they run to it like a bee to honey. If you've had a lifetime of nothing but ruthlessness, kicks to the stomach, a gentle slap feels like a reprieve in comparison. And that's Gideon's whole M.O., he finds these lost souls. Most people in Alara are former addicts or sex workers or victims of abuse and he takes them under his wing. Gives them everything that society has failed to. Hell, most of the people here would have ended up dead, homeless or in prison if they hadn't come here. And that's not just an indictment of Alara. It's an indictment of our whole fucking system that a batshit crazy cult provides better hair than a wealthy Western democracy. When Gideon speaks, every other word out of his mouth is either praise or an apology. He makes you feel guilty for disagreeing with him. He, you know what? I don't want to spend this time yammering on about this creep. If the cops find this and I'm not around, just fucking leave River alone and go after Gideon, okay? Riv, this part's just for you. I want to tell you what happened, how we got here, our origin story. People always say there are two sides to every story, but that's bullshit. There are as many sides to a story as there are storytellers. I've heard your account of our journey to Alara change and change over the years, and I've never had the heart to correct you. River, Ronald, here's the cold, hard, ugly truth. You were a spoiled fucking brat, just like me. Yes, your mum was emotionally distant. She forgot your birthday a couple of times. She was callous, but she wasn't cruel. 
She worked insane hours to send you to a fancy private school because she wanted you to have the best life you could have because she'd grown up with almost nothing. She did everything for you. She was about as warm and emotionally available as liquid nitrogen. But she clearly loved you. And my dad? Okay. He was no saint. But being a single parent isn't easy. Do I wish he'd spent a little more time at home having American sitcom family-style banter over home-cooked meals? Well, yeah, fucking obviously. But so what? Riv, our parents were flawed. But that comes with being human. You and I aren't exactly glowing examples of moral perfection, just FYI. We'd always said we were like brother and sister, but... I think it was only once we got here that the delusion that we were actually blood relatives started to calcify. I mean... Hello? Hey, hey, I'm here! I'm motherfucking here! Open the door, you dipshit! Sorry, forgot my jacket. See you Monday. Say hi to Starla for me. No! Come back! Come back! Well... I guess that means I'll return to our regular scheduled program. River? When we decided to run away after my dad caught us dropping acid and we were both grounded, I thought it would be an adventure. A sort of temporary holiday from reality. When you suggested we change our names, pretend like we were brother and sister, it made sense. It was just part of the game, right? No different when we pretended to be Batman and Robin or queens and princesses when we were kids. Plus, I always thought, Elliot was a stupid name anyway, and Ronald, well, I mean, no offence to your parents, but what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> I honestly thought we'd both come crawling back with our tails between our legs a couple of days later, but Alara, well, look, it's definitely a hippie muso's paradise. Alara isn't a utopia, it's a diorama. Little people acting out little dreams and stories inside fragile cardboard walls. I remember the first time we got on a plane to go on tour to New Zealand. Watching the earth drop away beneath us, flying over the ocean, speeding away from our strange and isolated island nation at the ends of the earth at a thousand kilometres an hour. I almost felt guilty for leaving that place that had become a part of me. But then, when we played in Auckland, Wellington, that fucking train wreck of a gig in Christchurch, and that supernaturally fun show in Dunedin, I realised just how tiny our little world was. When we came home, I found that even the things I used to enjoy, like the beekeeping ceremony, seemed like pompous, culty bullshit. I mean, sure, you've got to tend the beehive, but... I don't think we were doing those little guys any favours with our chanting and incantations, you know? I know that there's a chance you'll walk back through this studio door pretty soon. Melanie's a 40-minute return trip and you left to go to the pharmacy maybe 20 minutes ago. Sorry I lied to you about needing the sodium pentothal for the baby. Pretty clever ruse though, right? I'm sure by now the pharmacist has informed you that sodium pentothal is a truth serum and not available over the counter. It was the first drug I could think of. I only realised that's what it was after you'd left. I think I saw it in some spy movie. 
guess you might walk in here soon and see this pre-recording and just delete it off the computer and then, well, we'll all live happily ever after, I assume, right? <laughs> Remember when you came over that afternoon? We decided to hang out and write songs, but I got the dates mixed up and thought you were coming around the next day. God, that fucking summer was brutal. It wasn't long after what happened with Ollie and Murph. Oh, I nearly puked in my mouth saying those names, fucking creeps. You know Murph's married with six kids? I looked him up on Facebook once. Can't say why. I thought about sending him an anonymous message to his pearly-toothed, bleached blonde wife. I wrote the thing out three times, fingers hovering over the enter key, but I ended up just deleting it. Anyway, after that happened, I decided to kill myself. Well, not kill myself, just cut myself. I guess it was really just all teenage melodrama. I borrowed my dad's really good scissors, took them into the bath, lit a bunch of candles like a total emo drama queen and listened to Blonde Redhead. I don't know. I guess I just wanted to distract myself from myself. Really, I should have been cutting Ollie and Murph, but they were rudely unavailable. I sat in the water and pricked my finger and watched that one red drop fall and fall and fall. It seemed to take forever, like time was a sheet of rubber being pulled and stretched. I watched the blood travel through the water like a red cloud. I held the scissors so they hovered above my wrist. And then you banged on the door. Harmony! Did you forget we had practice today? I sat there and said nothing. It was like, in that moment, I could see all the different futures that could possibly transpire unfolding in streams in front of me. One where I ended my life. One where I threw down the scissors and went on with the day as normal. One where I became a famous musician, a hopeless stoner, an eternal student, an office drone, a lab assistant. I sat there and watched all the streams of alternate futures flowing out in front of me as the candle flickered and your knocking on the door echoed around the bathroom. Harmony, are you okay? I waited a long time. Neither of us said anything. Finally, I said, Ron, can you come in and help me? I'm in the bath. I remember your shy, nervous little voice when you said, you aren't naked, are you? I thought that was the funniest thing. Why would I be in the bath and not be naked? <laughs> you never once looked at me sexually, did you, Ron? I never really figured out what your deal is in regards to love and attraction. You never told me about any of your lovers. I don't even know if you like boys or girls or something in between. Isn't that crazy? Finally, you opened the door and your eyes went wide and you ripped the scissors out of my hands and hugged me and said nothing. 
which was the perfect thing to say. You didn't judge me or shame me or force me to make promises. You just took the scissors away and held me. That's who you are. Who you've always been. Even after all this weird, crazy, red shirt chanting bullshit that we've fallen into the last few years. I know you'll always look after me. <laughs> she said, <laughs> lying on the floor, gaffer taped to a chair. <laughs> when I sent you that email with the picture telling you that everything was fine and not to worry about me, to stop looking, I told you that if you ever wanted to get away from Alara, I'd help you. And then I heard that first broadcast and I realised how far gone you were. That you were so entrenched in your delusions that you just edited out the parts of the message that conflicted with your fantasy that you'd created. When I showed it to you again in the bar, you still didn't process it. Couldn't understand how that information could be there when you've convinced yourself it wasn't. I hope you're not too far gone that you won't be able to come back to reality someday. Maybe even have a normal life, get married, start a, I don't know, organically sourced paleo cafe or some bullshit. Then other days, I wonder if you'll end up in a prison cell. Maybe you'd even like prison. You seem to have no problem with uniforms and taking orders. God, this studio smells like armpits. That's the problem with hermetic soundproofing. <laughs> Tends to lock in the smell as well. Would it kill Gaza to put a couple of fucking air fresheners in here? Ronald, if... When I get out of here, I'm sorry to say this, but you'll never, ever see me again. I love you, but you know how the saying goes. If you love someone, set them free. And also run away and get a new haircut, fake identity in a secret location. <laughs> I've given up on being the one to save you. You were there to take the scissors from me. And I wish I could do the same. But you can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved. She said lying on the floor gaffer taped to a chair. <laughs> God, this joke just gets funnier each time. <laughs> River? Hey, do you think you could help me up? I... River? Harmony, my lost little mm. bird. How we've missed you. Don't touch me. <sighs> Harmony, it wounds me that you think I'd do anything to harm you. Why don't you step a little closer and we'll see what else I can do to wound you. Please, allow me to help you up at least. <sighs> there, is that better? Would you like some water? I have some food as well, nothing fancy I'm afraid. Just some nuts and dried fruit and a bit of something here and there. I'm on a water-free diet at the moment. I think I have an allergy. Every time I drink it, I seem to pass out and wake up in captivity. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Look, I brought a sealed bottle, even though, as you know, I detest the commercialism of bottled water and its impact on the environment. Yes, you're a real saint that way. Although you're a little more flexible on illegal arms storage and sexual misconduct. Okay, fine, give me the damp water. Better? You really get off on that, don't you? Playing nurse to the wounded little lamb? 
What can I do to convince you that all I want is to aid the cause of peace and tranquility? Well, let's see. Off the top of my head. Get rid of the assault rifles. Stop cajoling underage girls to have sex with you. Quit brainwashing impressionable lost I'm souls I'm sorry and... that you continue to harbour these malicious delusions, but not even these lies will tarnish the love I have for you. I think... Is that camera on? What camera? <clears throat> it's fine. I don't think it's recording. Just leave it. I, I think it'd be best if we continued this conversation in private, don't you? No, leave no, it. Let's go. Don't turn it yeah. off. Don't! Hey everybody, just a quick note that this episode did deal with self-harm and suicide. So if that has brought up anything difficult for you, please make sure that you get in touch with Lifeline or Beyond Blue if you're in Australia or if you're elsewhere, reach out to your local community mental health organization. We love our listeners and we want the very best for you. So please look after yourselves. This episode was written by me, JM Donellan. It starred Jessica McGaw, Robert Zozars, and Tom Yaxley. Sound production and design was by Jessica McGaw and Damien Campagnolo. And we want to say a big thank you to everyone who's been reaching out and chatting to us on social media. If you want to reach us there, you can contact us at Six Cold Feet. That's S I X Cold Feet. Same name on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We've been having some really great chats with people from all over the world. We are loving being part of the global podcasting community. It's a funny thing. When you make something like this, you don't really know how people are going to respond to it. You put it out into the universe and hope that people like it and that it affects them. And we've had some great interactions, so we are very appreciative. And we are, of course, very appreciative of those people who are supporting us on Patreon, who've been leaving us those wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to us. You guys are the best. I give you all five stars every single day, all the time. Now, next week is our very last episode for the first season. We are going to have a new season sometime in the future, but this will be the last episode for this season next week. If your friends have been like, oh, that show sounds cool, but I want to wait for all the episodes that come out so I can binge it all at once, next week will be the chance to do that. We'll have all 10 episodes up and you can plunge them into your eardrum. So we look forward to sharing that with you. Very quickly, a word from our sponsors, and then we will see you next week. Now, this week, I'm very excited to tell you about a recent release, which is Lost Luggage by Wendell Thomas. This is about Sid, who is a third-generation travel agent. Sid is suddenly thrown, heels first, a very odd way to be thrown, into the bizarre and sinister world of international animal smuggling. Not animal cuddling, which I'm a big fan of, but animal smuggling, which I'm going to go on record as saying I do not like. Now, Library Journal magazine says of this, Thomas makes a rollicking debut with his comic mystery featuring an unconventional protagonist who proves to have the skills of MacGyver with its sexy overtones. Those are the best kind of overtones. This fun, character-driven novel will appeal to Janet Ivanovich fans. So if you're a fan of mystery, if you're a fan of rollicking adventure, you are going to love Lost Luggage by Wendell Thomas, the brand new release from Poisoned Pen Press.